invite you, if you have your Bibles or your electronic Bible, you can pull it out. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 um, this morning as we talk through our message in a few moments. But as we prepare our hearts, let's just come before the Lord. Lord, as we come this morning to your word, to Lord, just open our hearts to hearing what do you want to say to us? Lord, help our ears to be open. Help our souls to hear. And God, not only may we hear, but Lord, what you want to say to us, Lord, let us really capture that. Let it go deep into our souls and be grounded and grow. And God, we pray that as we encounter you in these moments, that's not just a moment to recognize of your existence, but God, it's a moment that as we encounter you, that it brings transformation into us in an ongoing way to better serve you, to follow you, and grow in love for you and others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to begin a new series called Reset, and we're talking about aligning our whole selves with God. And so over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at this particular theme as we move into the new year. Um, Now, I don't know about you, but um, I don't tend to make New Year's resolutions. I haven't done that for a long time because I tend to fail. If I try to make a resolution, it just doesn't tend to work. It's the way I want to fail, make a resolution. So instead, what I do find is helpful for me anyway, and I don't know what your practice is. I do find, though, that the first of the year is really a key moment in reevaluating or evaluating my life and how it has ran in the past year and to think into the future, what might I feel like God is calling me to alter, change, what might need to be rearranged as I move into the future? What has gone well, or maybe where I've let things slide, and what needs to transition as I move into the new year? And so did that even this year, and thinking about some things. And I tend to, I don't know what your practice is, but I tend to do that along a couple of fronts. I do it, one is, I think about my health. What might need to shift in my health, the healthier practices that I'm going to kind of work towards in the upcoming year. I might think about it emotionally or mentally. What are some things I need to develop? I'll think about it in the ways of my spiritual walk. Where are some areas I I feel like God is calling me to grow in this upcoming year? Or some places I feel like God is wanting to challenge me? And then also my relationship. So I'll evaluate, you know, I'll, I'll think back through my relationship with my wife Nancy and kind of think, how might I be a better husband? How might I be a better father to my kids or grandfather or various things? Or maybe even as I'm thinking about my relationships with people in the community and even in the life of the church. But I do find that this season tends to be a little more of a pause moment where it gives us an opportunity to reflect on those various areas and how we might grow them and go deeper into our relationship with God and just live life better. It's kind of a reset moment. I'm, I'm guessing in your homes, how many of you have a router? I'm guessing if you have the internet, probably most of us, right? Um, and that router is kind of important. I don't know, have anybody found themselves kind of tied to the internet a little bit? You know, I, I am. I, I mean... I don't do well, and it it seems like our whole world gets messed up if we go offline. Um, And uh, I know we'll be sitting down there, and they'll say, hey, we don't have any internet. And all of a sudden, it's like the whole world caves, right? Um, But instead, if we can't get back on, if it doesn't reset, what we do is we have to go up to the router, and we have to push a reset button or unplug it and let it set for a little bit and then plug it back in. And then miracle of miracles, everything comes back on and reconnects, and it works wonderfully, and life is good again. 
And in a way, you know, there's kind of that moment that happens with our commuters and our phones when you get these notifications that it needs to be updated because there's more exposure to viruses. We have, uh, for its performance, there's some updates and modifications to the programming. And so we'll get these notifications that we need to let some things re load and then they will say reboot and as it reboots it resets and everything seems to run better. I think we need to do that in our own individual lives periodically. We get running along and if we don't we start to run at less than our optimal. And so really as we take these moments to evaluate I think it just becomes one of those things that can help us run more optimally as we move ultimately into the future and into 2024. And so I really want to invite you over the next four weeks, whether you're joining online or whether you're joining here in person, that we really um, don't turn a deaf ear to this time where God may want to speak to each one of us some things that he wants us to rethink about or where some areas that maybe we've gotten offline and didn't even realize it and God wants to get us back online in some more healthy ways. So I really would invite all of us to ask God, give, I give you permission, Lord, to speak by your Holy Spirit. Where do you want me to really focus on moving into 2024? This isn't really a time where you sit and you beat yourself up because all the things you haven't done or aren't doing quite the way you hope, but in God's love and care, listening for where does God really want you to focus? He says, I really want to do something new and fresh in these areas in your life moving in the upcoming year. Where will you commit to me, look to me, help me, allow me to work in your life to accomplish that? And so that's really what we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks, looking at these areas of our body, our mind, our spirit, and our relationships, and thinking about it from a way of resetting and pondering how are we doing and what might need to change or move in a different direction. So this morning as we start, um, I want you just to take a moment to think about how do you see your body? I mean, you, if you was to look at it in the mirror this morning, and maybe you did, um, if you think about it, when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, what do you think? I mean, do you like your body? Do you think it's a beautiful thing? Um, do you look at it and say, I, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job taking care of it the best I can with who I am? Or do we, some of us, we look in the mirror and we are just obsessed. I mean, we think, man, I just spend way too much time on this. Um, and there are, you know, it's not bad that we care for them and we want to look nice, but, you know, am I obsessing? Or on the flip side of that, do I find myself, well, I'm not doing a really great job taking care of it. And, and what might need to be altered or shifted? Um, you know, that we kind of ignore it into the place that only when it really kind of yells at us in discomfort um, that we really start to pay attention. So as we think about the body, what ideally does the Bible tell us our view should be? I mean, what's kind of a theology, a mindset that our, we should have as we think about our bodies? So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 19 through 20 here. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was located in Greece, and he's writing to the church because the Greeks had a certain perspective about the body, and he's trying to educate them in a different way. And he's saying this, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, why Paul is saying this to the Greeks, they had a mindset that things were very compartmentalized. So the body 
was just kind of this separate thing. What really mattered is your spirit. Your body didn't matter. And some of us may have that perspective. It's like, okay, really God comes into me by the spirit. It's really, that's what's really important. This is just, my body is just a shell that I really don't need to pay a lot of attention to. But in reality, if you look at the whole Jewish perspective and their understanding of the body, it made up your body was your mind, your spirit, um, your body, your mind, and your spirit, and, and your will, and all those emotions, all of it together. It was kind of all one package. It wasn't separated out. And so Paul is telling these folks, he's saying, your body isn't separate from all that you are. And what would happen in Greek culture, because they separated it, they either tended to abuse their bodies because it didn't matter anyway, you know, it's really nothing, or they overindulged it. They said, whatever I want, I just kind of get and I just do it because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my spirit because it's really not intricately connected. And Paul is really talking to the church and saying, no, it all is tied together and he's trying to get the picture of how we need to view them. And so first of all, that I think Paul is saying to these these Greeks that are found in the Corinthian church, he's saying, first of all, we're to view our bodies as good. Probably not a real revelatory kind of thought, but he's really laying out the idea that, first of all, when we look at our bodies, they are a good thing. And we see that they're created by God. We all know this passage, but I want to read it to us from Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And then in Psalms 139, we find David wrote, For you created my innermost bidding. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, there's a couple of things I think we gather from that about the goodness of our bodies. First of all, that they were intentionally designed. I mean, we were talking with the kids, all these amazing things. I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to envision, you know, that you took all the chemicals that make up our body, you put them in a jar, you shake it, and you throw it out in the air and hope that it all comes together to be this. I I mean, I I just, even if you did it multiple times, I don't think it's ever really going to happen. Our bodies testify to the reality that there's some kind of designer that put this all together in amazing ways. I mean, when I think of my eye, just one thing, how does this see multiple colors in a variety of ways, and then you see the same colors? I mean, I don't even know how that works, or my ears, how much I can hear, or, and we also find that we look at our bodies, not only are they intentionally designed, but they're unique. Y'all look at your fingerprint, y'all know it's different, right? I mean, does anybody use this to get on your phone? Because you trust, in fact, they tell us it's more reliable, it's better than using your face recognition. Their phone, your finger is so unique. You know something else in your body that is just as unique as your fingerprint? Your tongue print. You can go home and try it. I'm I'm gonna, you know, I've never done it, but hey, they're telling us that your tongue has a print as well. It's unique. It's uniquely, though, though they tell us 99 plus percent of your DNA is the same as every other person in the room. There's that part that puts us together in very unique ways so we look different, but we're each wonderfully made. You're unique, and it doesn't matter what you look like or what your strengths or your weaknesses are. From your body perspective, God says it's good. 
you're good. No matter what you look like, whether you measure up to whatever the perspective of the world is, your body is good. It was made, it was knit together by God, and we need to hold on to that no matter what voices we hear. So our body, and the other thing about our body, think about it. If you didn't have a body, you would not be human. I mean, if you didn't have a body, how would you enjoy the creation? How would you enjoy the people that are around you? How would you enjoy and experience relationship ultimately with God? It also provides for us individuality. God likes it that you're made unique. And you have an individual personality and creativity. So we are human beings. We're never going to be angels. We're never going to be God. We are uniquely made as human beings, a special creation by God. And it's good. And here's the other key thing about the creation. Remember when Adam and Eve were made, they were naked and what? Not ashamed. Now, I think that's really key for us to realize about our bodies because God never intended for us to be ashamed of our bodies. Now, I'm not saying we all need to start a nudist colony in church, y'all. Um, I I don't think that's where we're going here. But I want to say that what God is saying, our bodies were never to be something that we're to be shamed about. Shame, if you realize, comes from the fall. And it's what basically says you don't have worth, you don't have value, you don't have beauty, you don't have wonder and honor. So here, that never is a voice that's coming from God in relation to your body. That I'm not enough is not a voice from God. That is a voice from a fallen world. So you need to hear that. Your body is good no matter where you find yourself, what it looks like, who you are today. It is good. It was designed by God. It is a gift to you. Now, the second thing we're told is we need to see our bodies as holy. And holy means to be set apart unto God. I don't know if we most of the time think about it in this way, but our body is really holy. Because think about it, when Jesus came, yes, he came to save our souls, but have you ever thought that when Jesus came, did he come as a human being? Yeah, he came in human flesh, that's what incarnation means, he came into flesh. Jesus walked in the earth, Jesus interacted with people, Jesus, eventually his body was nailed to a cross, and when Jesus rose from the dead, Did he raise bodily? We would say yes. Because remember when he came before his disciples, what did he do? He ate food. And they touched him. See, Jesus was showing us not only did he come to redeem our souls, but he also came to redeem our bodies. That because of what Jesus did, he has provided the way that our bodies one day will be resurrected in a new form. They will still be human. I don't know how it all plays out, but they we will still have a body, will still be human beings, but they will be a redeemed whole creation, even though we have experienced the brokenness here. So we, what Paul says in the verses we read earlier, says, first of all, realize you were bought with a price. You're not your own. You, you, I came to redeem you, your body, because it's special, it's holy, it's good. And you and I should use them then for God's glory. Am I using my body to glorify, ultimately, God? And realize that it's sacred, that I've set it part unto God, that I realize that because I claim Christ, Christ's spirit dwells within me, and my body is called a temple. 
I mean, temple of God. That's kind of amazing if you think about it. And so wherever we go, you know, I'm, I'm this holy temple. And, and there's things, you know, we think about when I come into church, I, I wouldn't, you know, we compartmentalize sometimes. But think about when I'm taking my body out in the world, I really am a reflection of Christ. And so Paul really challenges the Corinthians' mindset then that their bodies really um, aren't really holy and special. And he goes on, and I want to just read these verses to you from 1 Corinthians six twelve. Look at what he says here. Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? And what Paul is doing there is he's talking because in the Corinthian culture, because the body didn't matter, they thought they could just do whatever they wanted to it. And so it wasn't uncommon that they would go and they would involve themselves in, in temple prostitution. Some were involved in sexual immorality. They were involved in what, eating whatever they wanted, drinking whatever they wanted, doing whatever they wanted. As long as my body's crying out for it, I will indulge it. And it didn't matter because it doesn't matter. It's just a body. But Paul is saying, no, it does matter. Because he's saying, you are a holy creation. You are, have set your part, selves apart into Christ. You've said you're a follower of Christ. So that means your body's included in that, not just your spirit. That we want to be giving ourselves fully uh, unto God, and we recognize ourselves as good stewards. I think about um, a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I and our kids went on a pastoral exchange to England. And I don't know if you've taken part in any kind of exchange in your work program, but what it meant in this particular scenario is that for the summer, we would move to England and we would live in the pastor's home. We would drive their car. Uh, we would use their furniture. We didn't use their clothes. Um, but basically, we used everything in their home. It was, and then they came and lived in ours. And you know, when I got there, I had to realize this, you know, I, this, I treated it realizing this is theirs. And I hoped they did the same when they came to ours. And, you know, trying to leave it better than what it was. And thinking about our bodies in that way, this is something God has given me. How will I give it back to God the best I can? Because it's fully his. Finally, Paul says this, I think. He says, see our bodies as God's representation in the world. Now, what I mean by this is this. Your body is how the world knows that God exists. Here's what I mean. If you look at Paul wrote, he said, we are to display the fruits of the Spirit. Here's a test. Can you guys name them? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I got them all. So when you think of those, how many of those can you do without your body? Really none of them. You have to have your body, and when you do those things, they become this witness out into the world that there is a God, and this is the kind of God in which we serve, one of love and kindness and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So when you and I are walking out, it's not just that I'm, I'm just out doing my thing. I'm a witness. I'm a representation of God's reality to the world. And also I do that with my gifts, 
if I'm a good singer, a good athlete, I love to serve, whatever you're doing with your body in the way of your giftings, you are this representation of a good God that's come into the world and we're reflecting Christ. It's kind of like this. In ancient times, whenever an emperor or a ruler conquered a land, what they did is they would set up an image. And that image was set up in various cities, and that was to remind them of who was over the territory. In fact, today, if you go to many countries, I don't see this in the United States as much, but in other countries, you'll see oftentimes there's a picture of the leader in the government places or other public spaces. And that is to remind them of who is over this country. Who's the one we're looking to? And in a sense, that's what we are. We've been set up as co-regents. God, your body becomes kind of like those statues set up to testify to the reality of God to the world and to bring about God's rule and reign wherever God signs you. Your body is that. That's important. So not only is your body good, Your body and my body is to be wholly set apart unto God and to be faithfully a representation to the world of God's reality and God's love and God's grace that the world may know that God has come for them as well. May we, as we reset our minds, think about how we might align ourselves in those places with our bodies in a different vantage or viewpoint to help us move forward. Let's pray.